How's it going, everybody? This is uh, Jay Nathan, and I've got Christy Falterusso and Jeff Brunsbach here with me recording our weekly Q&A podcast, also going live on LinkedIn. So uh, good to see everybody. Hi, Christy. How's, uh, how's Long Island today? We are restored with power and internet and all that goodness after last week's storm. So feeling good about that. <laughs> That's good. Jeff, how's uh, North Charleston today? Sunny, humid, hasn't really changed. Good. Okay. Awesome. Uh, cool. So yeah, so we do this every Wednesday around noon-ish, we say, 12.15-ish Eastern time. Um, and we take questions that we've gotten on LinkedIn, an email, uh, on the community sometimes, gangrowretain.com. If you're not a member, we'd love for you to go join us there and uh, where we keep the conversation going between the various live events that we do. Um, and we sort of just riff on them. So um, today... I don't know if there was a specific question asked about this, but it's something that I'm starting to look at in, in my new role and Jeff's new role with Higher Logic. We're, we're thinking a lot about renewal management and how we're going to execute on what we've got to do there. So um, I wanted to talk to you, Christy, and get your perspective on renewals. And like, is that for you a separate team or the same team as your CSMs? Do they handle it? Uh, is it your sales team? I know you've done it a few different ways. I'd love to hear your perspective on it. So how are you guys doing renewals today? Yeah, so for right now, um, my customer success team manages the renewal. They manage expansion. And so that is adding additional assets to their current fleet, um, some more vehicles or you know um, other different assets. And then they also handle upsell. So any additional modules that want to be included in their current instance and environment. Uh, what we don't handle today is cross-sell. So that we do believe is like a new sales motion. And so that's the only commercial activity that we do augment with a sales team. Um, and so you know we've got certain folks on that team that are exclusively responsible for for cross-sell. Um, you know, in the four organizations that I've been at where I've been leading CS teams, I've done it all different ways. So we've had CS exclusively managing the partnership, really there as the trusted advisor, driving strategy, and no commercial activity. Um, I've done it where we've handled the renewal, but no other growth. So not the expansion, not the upsell, uh, not any cross-sell. And then I've handled it where we handle everything. So definitely have seen a lot of uh, pros and cons to all different approaches. And I think, you know, as it came down to us deciding what was an appropriate strategy for us, we really kind of over-indexed on, on a couple of things. So one, we looked at the complexity of our product um, because that was also gonna help us understand the skill set needed in our team to determine if they're going to or should be responsible for the renewal, right? So in a few of the organizations we've been at, the product is very technical. Um, and even though we had a TAM involved and we've had other resources, right? Like the role of the CSM was, was augmented in a different way because of the technical complexity. Um, and so that we decided because we had different skills for the CSM that maybe owning the commercial activity wouldn't make the most sense. Um, other organizations where the product actually was just a, a more complex product, right? So and more of an enterprise solution where it was more modular and you could buy different products because of the complexity of that sales motion, we had decided, again, augment that with an AM team or have it managed by, you know, the original logo sales team. So, you know, we looked at that and then also, you know, given, given the size of the customer, right? Like, so if it's a very large customer where maybe we're selling across multiple stakeholders, that that would also drive a different behavior. So where CS might not own that and we would definitely have another team team um, own the renewal motion. So those were the different things that helped us derive like what made sense for our business. Um, for today, because we moved from an account management function to customer success, a lot of our original team already had that commercial experience. 
So we felt really strong about that. Um, in addition, the folks that we brought on, I over-indexed on that skill set. So the folks that we've now added to the team, we've added about six people since I've been on board, they all have experience managing it, right? So maybe not at the most recent co company that they were at, but at some point in their career, they've managed that motion. Um, but they've also served as that strategic advisor. They've done project or program management, right? So they've got the ability to act as an effective CSM, but then also do the other things that we would need them to do. Um, given our customer size and base, we feel like it's a comfortable model where we own it all today. I will say we are definitely redefining our ICP. And as we move more up market, we might think about splitting that out for our top tiers, right? So maybe not have that renewal yep. managed by the CSM for our, our strategic accounts. And so for three out of four of our segments, the CS motion would be like, we kind of own it all, but then for our top tier, be more strategic about how we're approaching it and then have that maybe sales partner manage cross sell renewal growth as well. So that's how we're thinking about that for our probably our next phase and iteration. So, so your CSMs were account managers before they became CSMs. That was sort of like the nucleus of your, yeah. the genesis of your CSM. Correct. Team. Yep. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how many do you have? How many CSMs do you have? So now we're about 13. We'll be 14 on Monday. Um, so really excited about our continued growth. Oh, yeah. We, we yes. saw, we saw the, the new one. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so we, we are growing, but yes, the, the original team, which was roughly about, I want to say like seven people on the team today, we're, we're part of the original core team. Um, we're all serving as account managers in the organization prior to this. So they already have, they already come with that commercial. Correct. And it's I think it's a really important In, in our point. industry, right? Like, so for them, I mean, like it's, some of them were SMEs who have been in like the fleet and telematic space for a long time. Um, and again, at the other companies, they did not have managed that commercial motion. So I think it's a little bit about, you know, where we are in our transformational journey, what made the most sense for us. But like I said, the, the things that we consider are all the, the different elements that I've highlighted. Yeah, I think the in, in my career, I've had, uh, I've been a CSM, so to speak. I've, I've been an account manager. Um, I've had to, you know, do the commercial responsibility, think about the terms, think about the contracts, think about the negotiations, the, you know, the back and forth and that whole thing. And I think it is just really hard to like walk up to, right? Like there's obviously sales teams get trainings for a reason. Like they have methodologies they use. There's all these things that they pick up along the way that are beneficial to getting the sale over the line. And so um, to your point, like I like the way, I, I, think I'm, I think about it the same way too. And some of the enterprise, you know, kind of larger customers or even ones who are going to grow, you know, exponentially over time, like I think having the right skill set in there to uh, actually manage that type of process um, is really beneficial because the other thing I was thinking about too is just the, the um, negotiations back and forth or like contracting language. Like if you've never seen contracts before and like, you know, again, like we can forward it off to our legal team, sure. But at the same time, like that's going to take even more back and forth to like, yeah. hey, what, what can we know? How can we move quickly? How can we add speed to this process, not slow it down? Um, and that, that's another thing I think about a lot too, is just how do we add speed back into this renewal process? Because really you, you, it should be a formality, right? If we've done everything in the relationship that we should be doing, this is a formality and it should just be moving it as quick as possible. Uh, not in a negative way, like not in trying to hide something, but literally just like, hey, how do we make this as quick and easy as possible to get across the line? And so I think about how do we add speed, not slow it down. Uh, and that's why I like that, that idea of trying to split out the, the renewal motion, if you can. Uh, the one question I was gonna ask, uh, maybe you or Jay, um, in your careers as well is have you split out? So I think Christy, you mentioned having um, having like an account management team or like a sales function own the renewal. Have you also had under your purview, have you kind of split out your customer success management team into CSMs and renewal managers and actually have them roll up to you or ha have you had that? Yeah. Situation so that was, Yes. And so one of the uh, organizations prior to joining IntelliShift, we did that. And so we had this renewal motion, but again, so we, we had renewal managers or specialists um, 
and they were responsible for, for our long tail almost like this, the smaller customers where that was more of a transactional motion. And then we had an account management team that worked the top end of the book. So I, again, I do think there's a different skill there, right? Like where you have a transactional renewal motion, you're, it's a different skill set than you need somebody to be like a true account manager who's thinking about growth and strategy and can have these like very thoughtful conversations with C-level executives. So I think it's also, as I think about like even the nomenclature of like what I'm referring to it as, like a renewals team to me almost feels a bit more junior than an account management function where you're thinking about growth and strategy and right, like there's a bigger, there's a bigger program built behind it. So I have, I have owned both um, and not exclusively one or the other. So in the organization where I did have renewals management, I also had account managers and we just, we bifurcated it over the, the different segments. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me too. And I, I, uh, I just drew that out to uh, to help me visualize it, but um, I like the way you're talking about that too, because then right. That becomes part of your, your long tail strategy your one to many. Um, to, you know, to look at that is like, how are we engaging that long tail of our customers and what, what are we adding or like, what are we putting in there in terms of resources and renewal manager sounds right to me to put down there. Um, and then also, I think it just helps the, it helps the fact that we, in our larger customers where we have, you know, the ability to, in terms of our resources and our time, like that should be really relationship focused, which is why coupling an account manager and a CSM, I think is really good uh, in order to do that. Yeah, I also think about like the motion, right? Like, so when a renewal manager comes into the conversation versus when an account manager comes into the conversation, right? Like I think of the AM as being part of the account team who is there all the time, right? felt, present, heard, engaged, and really partnering with the customer success team, um, yeah. right? They're running parallel paths to achieve the same objective, um, but they've got different strategies that they've both got to execute on. Whereas the renewals team I see is coming in and like their, their lifetime in the partnership is short, right? Like they're coming in, whether it's 120, 90, whatever you want your lead time to be to start that renewal motion, they're coming in at that moment. And then once that's across the finish line, they're, they're moving out, they're right? Done. So they're not part of that active engagement, that ongoing relationship with the customer. Um, now, listen, I've also seen it in other organizations where they are, um, but I think their, their level of engagement then also changes, right? Like, whereas the AMs, I feel like it's an account team. Um, renewal managers, maybe they're going to show up for an EBR, right? Or, you know, QBR or whatever BR you're running, maybe they'll show up to that just to be present and heard and seen so that they're not just coming in as this no name person to like follow up on commercials. So I guess yeah. it also depends on like the motion and the structure and you know, how you engage with customers across different segments. Yeah. Um, Cause the other thing, the other thing I think about the, that renewal manager that you mentioned too, is the fact that if you do have a renewal manager alongside maybe a CSM and some of the, those segments is it gives you kind of defensibility in my mind. Like it gives you like the fact that if I'm a CSM then I can, you know, like that's, that's not, I can still stay pure, so to speak in the sense that, Hey, I've got somewhere to direct, Hey, it, you know, if we're going to have these types of conversations, like I'd love to bring in this renewal, right. Bring in the renewal manager. This is what we're here for. Um, and I think that kind of defendability or defensibility actually like lends itself well when you're trying to grow your skill set as a CSM to like figure out how do I get better at building relationships? How do I, uh, how do I make sure, you know, we're providing value and outcomes like, like the ability, I think, to pass off that responsibility, and that's a, probably a bad word to put it, but but really just to shift to where that responsibility lives is um, probably really, really welcome because if you're trying to build your skill set, like throwing sales renewal into the loop is just really hard as you're still trying to learn, you know, how are we, how are we doing outcomes? How am I building relationships? Like that's, I think, a more advanced skill as you get up the, the totem pole, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I will say it, when I was a CSM, so as an IC, the role that I was in, the company that I was in, I did not own the renewal. Um, and so it wasn't until I was in leadership roles, right, where I had to be, when I took on broader responsibility and where the commercials ended up under me, um, which you learn and you, you run with. But as an experience for me as an employee, I loved 
being a CSM, I loved not having to focus and over-index on the real. Now, listen, my comp structure was such that my annual bonus was still tied to my retention rate, right? But I didn't have a quota. I didn't have a variable. There wasn't like a target on my back that provided this unnecessary pressure. I was just doing my job and doing it well. And the outcome and result of my focus was that I had high retention rates. So I think that there is also some real benefit to that that I feel like is sometimes lost when you want to roll everything into one. And I understand from an organizational standpoint, the fiscal benefit to not having to pay two people to support a customer. But, you know, it, it made a lot of sense in that org. And I will just say like, I know that my customers really appreciated that engagement. Um, I did as an employee. And again, my focus was, was that much better. Um, I will say that the customer experience is not always delightful. So you've all, you got to take that into account too, because I will say like, what would happen is my AMs who would try to actively be as engaged as they could be would, would come in and insert themselves or try to have these parallel conversations. And my customers were very reluctant, right? Or they would get annoyed or frustrated with this person who's like pushing pricing and, oh, it's too like too pushy. And, you know, obviously they're doing the sales thing, right? They've got timelines, they've got a forecast, we've got to understand the risk. And so they're just doing their job. But from a customer, they're like, oh God, I don't even know this person. Who are they? Why are they bothering me? And they would come to me anyway. And so then what would happen is my involvement in that motion actually increased significantly because my customer didn't want to talk to my AM. They wanted to talk to me. They felt like I was their safe space. And so all of the engagements almost funneled through me exclusively. It would end up happening. And these were bigger accounts. Um, and so I wasn't managing SMB where that probably is an easier play. But um, for the size accounts that I was, which is an enterprise segment at that time, those customers were like, honestly, they weren't talking to anybody if I wasn't involved. And well, if you're, if you're going into the top end of enterprise where you start to get procurement involved and some, there's other parties involved in the transaction, that's when that separation becomes really, oh, really yeah. helpful, right? Because wow. then it becomes- Who wants to manage I, I that? <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. It, I mean, that's, that is a full-time job. So to me, well, I wanna get back to something you said, Christy, and let me interject something real quickly. The live stream is now up on LinkedIn. So if you're just tuning into this, you caught us midstream recording a podcast that we do every week, and we're talking about renewal management right now. Um, so there, you're caught up. Um, but if you didn't hit, hear the first part of it, just go listen to the podcast when we publish it and you'll, you'll get caught up. Christy's given us a bunch of good things to think about. So, but I think um, what I want leaders of SaaS companies to think about is not that, that, that it's an additional cost. Think about the efficiency gain of having somebody focus on renewal exclusively. There's a lot of levers there, pricing, payment terms, uh, contract duration, uh, the, the variables in those contracts, if, if you have a few people that can get really, really good at managing all of those variables, it's going to make the whole, the whole process more efficient. They're going to work better with finance. They're going to be, it's going to be a more supportive kind of situation between the give and the take of the CSM. Um, but I, I also uh, completely agree with, and the thing that I think people are, are starting to realize is that the CSM game is a really indirect game, right? We're, we win because we're helping the client achieve some, some goal. You do that by getting into their business, being part, not necessarily by managing a transaction, right? Yep. So this is why I'm really starting to, to lean toward this split. I haven't always thought this way. I actually, you know, and, and I think it does, it is different um, between SMB and enterprise, right? And it's certainly on the tippy top of enterprise, then yep. it gets into the account team model. So yep. I like the separation of, like you mentioned, account team, you know, everybody's working toward a common objective, has their own spots on the field that they're playing with the account versus SMB. Like it's mostly going to be an auto renewal anyway. <laughs> hopefully, right? Yeah. So like we're just doing everything we need to do to make that customer successful so that the renewal isn't really an event, period. Um, yeah. So Did I have it? another... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, had a, go well, for it. Go ahead. I'll, I have a question, but you go ahead and throw your thought in. 
I was just going to say the other, the other thing that, uh, to your point, Jay, I think as you start to get better at that motion, as you start to learn the levers, right, as you, as you get somebody who's focused on that solely, is I think that also helps to treat the renewal manager, like the renewal pipeline as a sales pipeline as well. Like it actually has, you know, you can have like stage gates, you can have rigor around like when are we moving something to the next stage? Like what is that actually? And I think that actually helps you in terms of forecasting and, um, and your renewal process is that you've got somebody who's focused on that and dedicated towards like, actually thinking about where this is in the, in the life cycle of its renewal. And I think sometimes as, as a CSM, you get uh, a little less of that, right? Like I'm a little less worried about like, where my, what stage is my renewal in? And do I have the right criteria to make it move? And then like, yes, I want to be worried about that because I'm going to be, you know, ultimately it's going to lead to my retention, but I'm still worried about focusing on the outcomes of the customer. And so I think to your point, having that um, hopefully helps your renewal process as well in terms of just the, the rigor and strategy that you can put around that. I would, I'm going to jump in and say one thing. If you are a CS team and you're managing any dollars, right? They should be familiar with that motion, right? Like you, you do need to manage a sales pipeline. Um, so regardless of like, if that wants or needs your time and attention, it, it's gotta, you ha it has to, right? Like, because there yeah. is a strategy that you have to execute against to have a efficient um, kind of a sales motion there. So listen, it's not my favorite thing in my world to do by any means, but it's part of the process, right? And like, so whether you use MedPick or you've got some other kind of staging process that you're using in your CRM, like it just has to be part of your motion because you have to be able to forecast. Like to run a business, you have to know dollars in, dollars out. Um, and you can't, you, you can't not have an effective forecast. So if you're a CSM and you're listening to this, you you should make sure that you have a good handle on that. Um, That's called wanna, business acumen. Yeah, yes. Right, um, I mean, it's important. It is. And so, you know, two of the things we didn't talk about that, that are other pieces of criteria that also come into play when I think about this model is also the leverage ratios, right? Like how many accounts are each of these folks managing? Um, because if you've got a lot, it becomes difficult, right? Like, so this is where it could be a good opportunity to bifurcate the two roles and split it out, um, you know, depending on the volume, which I know we talked about as like kind of that long tail, but even, even as you move to like that middle market, right? Even if it's 30 or 40 accounts, are they all up in the same year? Um, are they all in the same month, in the same quarter? And this also then plays into the second piece of uh, data I would look at is the contract term length. Like, what is your average term length? So for us in our organization, our customers are on a minimum of three-year term, right? So we don't, like, it's okay for my team to manage the renewal because renewals aren't happening as often as they would be in, a, you know, other SaaS companies where I've worked at where it's 12 months, right? Where the CSM, you basically have, after onboarding, you've got like three months to prove value because then you're going to start the renewal thought process. And then all of a sudden it's this renewal motion. So it's like, that is stressful. And I think that creates a different mindset for the CSM, for the customer, it's a different experience for the customer. So I think also thinking about how, what is your average contract term length? Yeah. And how many of the book, whatever yep. your book looks like. So those are, are the other that two things that would add in here that I, I, that I often consider as well. Yeah, that's good stuff. The other thing that that brings to mind too, is how are you uh, just what you just mentioned about the term length and how you're then positioning that to the customer as well. Like, cause you know, right. Like you just closed the deal. We have to prove value within the first 30 days, really, because we have a, a contract that's coming up. Like it's going to be fast. Uh, is also just thinking about how you're positioning that to the customer, to the customer as yeah. going into the onboarding process or when you're becoming a CSM, like, and actually stating that, you know, Hey, we have like, we're, we're going to try and get time to value because of X, Y, and Z. And like, we've got a, a contract, you know, like we're, we, we have a contract that's coming up in 12 months and finding a nice way to say that, but like, Hey, we're going to try and make sure that we're getting as much value as possible because we know that this is going to come up quick. Um, and I think being prepared for that, because I agree with you, I, I've been in situations before where it's just like thrown over the wall and then you're all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, like we haven't done anything. And it's like not day 90. Like that's, oh, and that's always the thing, right? Like so yeah. there's only so much more that you can do. Right. But I, I definitely agree with you, Jeff. So one of the things that we do is in our kickoff call with our customers. So like the first initial conversation we have, which is our partnership alignment meeting, um, 
So it's not, it's not part of onboarding. It's actually its own meeting that is separate from kicking off onboarding. It's our partnership alignment. So we go through like what they purchased. We do a review of the who's who in the zoo. So we introduce their contacts in our organization. We have a clear understanding of who we will ever need to work with in their organization. So everything from our executive buyer to like billing and finance contact. Um, we yep. review their goals. So we get confirmation on that. Uh, we talk through like what their journey and experience will look like in the next 90 days. We also introduce the entire customer journey. And so like I have a sem sample deck that I'm happy to share and make available in the community and, and show people what we've structured. But we also introduce the journey, which has our five stages. And we talk very explicitly about each. Um, and so we introduce this notion of this customer, you know, the stage of prosper and advocacy where we get to a point where we're going to be starting this commercial conversation with you. And in fact, at the six months, six months to the renewal, we actually have a survey that's deployed that asks very simply, is it your intention to continue your partnership with Intelliship? And so we're either going to get a yes or a no, or right, or then you get the ones that they don't reply, which is also to me a no. Um, yeah. And so yeah. we have playbooks that fire as a result of that. So we actually start the motion a lot sooner where we believe that there is that risk to mitigate. So all those things are super helpful, but I think setting expectations early really does change the dynamic, right? Because again, they, they know that this is what's going to happen and why we're doing the things we're doing. And this, this goes back to this whole premise, I think that at least I'm, I'm very big on right now. And I think Jay is, uh, I think he's on board as well, but I won't speak for him. I'll, I'll see what he says after I, I say this, but I just like, I think, I think as uh, humans, we're realizing, right. That there are, that there's technology in the world, there's automation, there's all these great things that happen. Um, but in like, so when you go through experiences in the past, it's just like the last thing that's always been brought up is like pricing and the renewal process, right. It's like, Oh, all right, we're just gonna get this over the line real quick. And then you know, all of a sudden you're like, wait, did you just skirt something over that I didn't know, you know, didn't know about. But like the whole idea now is like humans understand that we need to be more personal than ever, that we need to start talking about these things up front, that we need to like, why are we trying to hide that we're going to have a renewal, right? Like, why are we, why have we not brought this up from day one? Like, Hey, my intention yeah. once you sign this contract is to get you to sign another one, either 12 months from now or 30, 36 months from now. Like that's the goal of this, um, as well as making you successful. But I think that authenticity and, and being personal like that, I think is almost becoming table stakes because I think people are starting to realize like that's not how all businesses operate. And so when you find it, I think people start to gravitate towards it. So I like the way that you present that early on, because I think that's something that I want to try and, and figure out how we can try and emulate as well. Like how do we start to, and I love, right? Just even point blank, are you going to renew with us six months out? Because that's a huge indicator. Like, you know, red flag, number one. Correct, <laughs> red flag right? right like you either feel good about it and you're, yes, I'm going to continue or no, I'm not for whatever reason. And so to me, there's no gray. There's no, maybe I'm thinking about it. I'm, I don't know about my budget, right? Like anything that's not a yes is a no. Um, so I make it easy and just say it's yes or no. <laughs> Because I ask, is yeah, it your intention, uh, right? Because is, is it your intention? Now, other things come into play, right? There could be M&A, it could be budget, new executive, right? But you as an individual who's completing this survey, would it be your recommendation or intention to continue? Yeah, I mean, if you don't ask that question, then, then people do actually try to hide it because they're afraid of what you're going to do as a vendor to them. Are you going to cut it off their access? So or are you going to, <laughs> yeah. And when, they're, they're conditioned because sometimes it happens, right? I mean, people get treated poorly on the way out the door. I think the way you treat people on the way out the door is really... Yes. indicative of your customer centricity overall, right, as a company. Um, we have a, a, a tool that we call the strategy call, which is exactly what, like you described with the partnership deck. But the key to that, we should note, is that you need to have an executive sponsor in that call if possible, yes. right? We because do. if you just try to do it with the, the, the people who are now responsible for the, the account or the admins, like it, you're losing some of the strategic air cover that That's you're going to need That's why it's not an onboarding call, right? Because onboarding almost assumes that like, correct, right? So this is like, in order yep. for us to start anything, 
we all need to get into the same on the same page. So we have separate meetings. We've got the partnership kickoff call and then we have an onboarding call. And that first onboarding yep. call is like, do we have all of your assets? Do we have all these data that we need to set you up? Who are the users, right? Like completely different conversation with a completely different audience. Um, and yep. so that first call we have, the executive has to be present. We, you know, obviously we record it, we share the recording, we share the deck out, but like we also then do a follow-up like from whichever executives are on our end to their executives to again, set the stage of like when our next engagement will be, which is our post onboarding wrap up. So we also make sure like they, we make ourselves available, right? So it's like a personal note to them saying, thank you for attending. We're excited to get started. Please leverage us as a point of escalation should you need. Um, you know, our team is gonna go do X, Y, Z. I look forward to reconnecting with you when we conclude onboarding, which will be roughly this date. Yep. So for everybody listening to this, if you take nothing away from this conversation, take this point away. Strategy call or a partnership call is different than a kickoff call. I've seen customer calls, kickoff calls with no upfront strategy happening, no partnership call with 40 people on them from the customer and then a project manager on the other side, right? Who's responsible for somehow with zero input from the sales team, right? It should be, especially with your larger accounts, it's got to happen that way. Um, and, and I think the executive sponsors on our on the customer side actually appreciate this because they get a chance to say, okay, here's how it's going to work inside of my organization because there's always a change management aspect of it. And, and you can sort of tease that out of them in a different stance now that you're customer and, you know, customer and provider. Like it, it's just a different conversation at that point than it is before the contract is signed in my experience. Um, so one other thing that we do that I love that has always been a speed bump for us later down the line, we actually also review what they purchased. Um, yep. And we talk yep. very explicitly about that because I will tell you how many times a customer heard something in the sales process, right? Like, oh, I heard your product does X, Y, Z, but that's not what they actually purchased, right? And so then you get down to a point where it's like, well, you told your sales guy told me that your product does X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, yes, sure. But that's going to cost you $10, right? And now you have a very, very different engagement with that customer. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. do that because like, listen, day zero, let's lay it on the fix table. It, fix it day zero. Is yeah. this everything that you need? Is there anything here that is not aligned with what you thought you purchased, right? Like let's level set. Uh, are we good to proceed, right? So like, that's also something that I've learned from my experience is like a, just an important piece of data to review with your customers, especially if you've got a product that has a lot of different modules or things that you can add on things that you can sell. So if it's not a one size fits all product, spend the time to review what they bought. Yep. That's great. All right, cool. So we've got like less than 10 minutes left. So we'll, we'll bounce off of the renewal discussion. Again, if you missed the first part of it, we'll, we'll, this will be on the podcast, Gangrene Retain podcast. So uh, if you haven't subscribed to it, you probably should. And then you'll be able to get the whole thing. So some good stuff before the uh, streaming started. Uh, Jeff, you had, another, you had another topic that I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah, we had somebody in the community, actually, it was Ben Bunting, a uh, great community supporter. And uh, Ben had thrown out the topic, which I think is always an interesting one. Uh, contact goes silent. What is your strategy? Uh, so I'll read just real quick. He gives an example in here. So client A cancels weekly call two weeks in a row. Client A responds to follow-up email. Sorry, you've been busy with new launch. Let's chat next week. Client no shows again. You know, what do you start to do around this? Assuming there, this level of engagement goes on and does not recover, what kind of tactics, playbooks are you handing your team to try and go fix this? Uh, he, he lists out a couple of his steps, but I'm gonna wait till the end to, to list those because I wanna hear maybe how you guys think about those and how, how your approaches are. So Jay, let's start with you. What, what would you do in that situation if you're with your CSMs? So the, the, basically the, the point of contact or the executive sponsor went quiet. That's the scenario. Um, yep. I, well, I would start, like most people are just trying to email people these days and if they're not getting a response, they're just assuming that um, like 
the person's not on the face of the earth anymore, but there's phone, there's email, there's LinkedIn, there's Twitter. I mean, see where these people are active. They go, go, I mean, go sort of stalk them. Right. Um, that's like the brute force method. Um, but I'd also say a lot of times we're, we're trying to get people's attention and we're not offering any value in exchange for that attention. And so like, if you're reaching out and saying, Hey, I just want to check in and you're not hearing back. Well, I don't, know that I want to check in with you, right? I mean, I've, in my new role, I've had CSMs reaching out to me for various products that we use and they want to do check-in calls. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to do a check-in call, <laughs> right? So I would much rather them send me, hey, here's a, here's a quick hit of where we are with your account, right? Maybe it's five, 10 bullets, a little bit of context for me to understand because they've got more experience than I do at this point as a new stakeholder in the business. Um, like here's, here's some history. Here's, here's a couple of resources you might want to take a look at start by softening me up by offering me something before you're asking me for something. This is no different than the way salespeople should be working with, with their, with their prospects and their leads. Right. So I think that's the more strategic way to go about it is, is have something of value to offer, offer multiple pieces of value, articles, um, context on my account, insights that I wouldn't have normally had on my own connections to other people who are in my similar role that I might want to meet. Um, and then ask me to meet. I like it. Christy, what do you think, Christy? All right. So I was jotting down notes so that I'm not, I'm not running too much of the same plays here. Um, I do like your approach to try a different channel. Obviously, like there's so many different ways that you can reach folks. So I definitely agree with you there. Um, my, my big sticking point, and Jay, you covered this also, have an agenda, right? Like, because even if there is a valuable conversation, sometimes we're not sharing that. And so that's a big thing that I see is like people put a meeting invite on the calendar and it'll say like weekly call even, right? Like just something so generic and no agenda. So to your point of like lack of perceived value. So it's not to say that the customer success manager wasn't going to come with some really great stuff, but tease it out, like make sure that they're aware so that they know what the value will be. Um, I also, I'm a big believer of like meet them where they want to be met. Some people don't want to get on a phone call with you and that's okay. Some people don't want to have a meeting with you and that's got to be okay. So very early on when we are talking to our contacts, we ask them, what is the best means of communication with you as we embark on this partnership? Are you somebody who prefers a phone call or do you prefer a Zoom? Do you prefer to have your camera on? Do you prefer to have your camera on? Like seriously, it's just asking them level of comfort and ways to engage them to get their attention. Because for us also, a lot of our customers, they're in the field, right? Like they're not sitting in front of their desk all day fielding email. So if I email them 20 times, I don't get a response. It's not because they don't care or they're not paying attention to me or they hate me. It's because they're literally not looking at their inbox. So understanding that early on yep. as well, I think is just, it's going to be a helpful technique for you to just make sure that you're engaging with them the way they want to be engaged. Um, and then I would say also like understand um, appropriate audiences. So like, you know, we set expectations on like what our engagement model looks like and what it should look like. So we say typically we engage with our customers on X cadence, right? Whether that is weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, quarterly. Um, and we're having a conversation up front or, like as well. So if there's somebody who's just blowing us off, um, sometimes, not often, and depends on like the company and the customer and how things are going, we might escalate, right? So there are opportunities where I will get engaged and I might reach out to the executive and just, it's not to tattletale, right? But it's like, I'm concerned about the progress we're making in the partnership as a result of us not being able to engage. So I understand that there's competing priorities, help me understand what those might look like. Um, so we can shift gears and obviously strategize a new approach because maybe we are not their top priority any longer which is fine, but let's have a conversation. Yep. Sometimes by raising a flag in a non-threatening way, and I over-index on the non-threatening way that will burn a bridge with your POC, um, you know, your executive might not be aware, right? That, that they're not engaging with you, or maybe they, they have other things on their plate and they can't drive the program forward. So I think there's also other approaches you could take with leveraging other people in the partnership, which is also why it is super important to not be single-threaded um, and why that becomes yep. a huge risk. I mean, obviously that's an, a risk 
for so many reasons, but from an engagement standpoint, having access to these people where you will get a call back or an executive who will engage you um, when you need to run that play, I think is also another approach. That, that's an indicator of relationship strength is whether or not you're able to get a response from somebody, even if it's just a short email, like I count that as a response. And this is, goes back to Zeev's presentation about yeah. his relationship tracking, right? And if you look at his matrix, yeah. it's very clear that that's a part of it. If somebody will respond to me, then they get a higher rating than somebody that won't, duh. But he's tracking it, right? And I think that's the important part. Um, but I want to press on something that you just said, and I know we're running out of time, but don't be afraid to include other people in your accounts. You don't have to be the hero all the time if you're the CSM. It, by the way, same goes if you're an account manager or if you're a sales person, right? You do not, if, if you're not getting a response, there could be larger issues at play. Bring your, your chief customer officer in, bring your CEO in, bring the salesperson in, bring somebody else in who might have a different angle on the relationship with that person and be able to, to get them to, you know, back to the table somehow. You're still going to get the credit at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Which is what everybody cares about, about right? But I also think this has to do, I know I'm watching the clock, I know that we're, we're like right at time, but one little thing that I'll add is that I think that's important, right? Because also I think that there is this concept of fear that CSMs have if they have got an account that's not trending well. And so they're afraid almost to escalate it because yep. they don't want the perception that they're not doing their job well. Like what happened here? So I think as leaders, we also need to be very clear in communicating with our team that acting on risk indicators is your job and you're not in trouble, for it, right? And customers will-, yeah. will will go all kinds of different directions, right? Some will be your best customers ever and some won't. Um, and it's not your fault, but it is your job and your responsibility to raise these flags and get things back on track. So I just think like, you know, you also got to get your team away from like that fear factor of like, oh my gosh, I'm in trouble because I have an account that's not speaking to me. Yep, Man, absolutely. So it's, you don't have that much control all the time. So awesome. Okay, cool. Well, this is great. We had some good participation. Sorry we didn't get to a lot of the comments, but Mike, uh, Kadeen, I think I said it right. Lauren, um, Camille, I saw Phyllis Wyndham out there. Uh, Tim, Gemma, good to see you guys. We'll do it again next week um, around 12.15. We'll, we'll fix our, our streaming issues from the start next time. We're just like pure amateurs at this, of course, <laughs> still. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we'll, we'll publish this on the podcast and hope to see you guys. We have office hours tomorrow. So Christy, are you going to join office hours I tomorrow? will be on office hours tomorrow. I will. Looking forward to it. Okay. Cool. We're, you know what we're talking about, right? Did you see my post earlier? I didn't In see Jeff's it yet. Post? I've been so busy. What are we talking about? We're going to talk about what happens when CSMs get sucked into support land and uh, how, to, how to fix I did that. Did you see your post on that? I did. I did. Okay. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Keep, there's a lot of energy, <laughs> a lot of energy around it. So yeah, you, but be ready. Get, get your fire hose ready, ready for tomorrow. Ready. So. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.